At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Two of the Lombardi line, Brady Cannon and Wes Reynolds with you live from the South Point Hotel, Casino and Spa, right here in fabulous Las Vegas, Nevada on a Wednesday, September the 8th. NFL football will kick off on September the 9th. We are just about 31 hours away from the Dallas Cowboys visiting the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in South Florida. And Wes, you've got some news in the NFL ranks as well. Your Indianapolis Colts looks like Carson Wentz was a full participant at practice today. Yeah, and this from a cavalcade of different sources. The first I saw was Zach Kiefer at Z Kiefer on Twitter. Of course, the Colts beat writer for The Athletic. Carson Wentz, a full participant in today practice which means he's playing Sunday yeah you know he's unless something drastic happens he will be your starter for week one against the Seattle Seahawks Eric Fisher the left tackle who they brought in from the Kansas City Chiefs of course remember he was a former first round pick Chris Ballard was in Kansas City in that front office that was responsible for drafting Mr. Fisher remember he tore his Achilles kind of late in the season for Kansas City last year missed a lot of the playoffs missed the Super Bowl he wasn't able wasn't near going to be able to get back but there was thought maybe he would come back like week three, week four, but he is limited in practice, so he is going to try to go. Quentin Nelson not practicing today. He's got a little flare-up in the back. He had some back issues last year, but Reich, uh, Coach Frank Reich is hopeful he is going to play against the Seattle Seahawks, and that's really been you know the story, I think, for the Colts in terms of the injuries here in the offseason is the offensive line, which is a strength for that team, and there was a thought, okay, Carson Wentz was behind a different offensive of line every single week in Philadelphia. I don't think a, a unit of five started more than two games consecutively for that team. So now he's behind a good offensive line here, but now the offensive line gets beat up. Ryan Kelly missed a little time. A couple guys went on the COVID-19 list, but you know, hopeful that they are going to be there. So obviously watch that number. We have seen this number move. I think it was high as three at some places, mostly two and a halves. And then Seattle flipped to about a two and a half point favorite. Starting to see some twos show. Maybe some people buying into the Colts. It's like, okay, Carson Wentz is going to go. It is not going to be Jacob Eason that's going to be starting who took most of the reps in preseason along with Sam Ellinger, who's now hurt and pretty much out for the rest of the season. But Carson Wentz is going to go. Didn't take a lot of reps, though, in preseason. So we'll see how he comes out. But there's a lot of quarterbacks that didn't take a lot of reps in preseason. So what I'm looking at for the Colts here, this is probably not something I'm going to bet because there's the injury concerns in terms of like a spread play or something like that pre-flop. But this is something I think that is absolutely usable as a teaser to tease this through two and a half up to eight and a half. I think Seattle plays a lot of close games mm-hmm. and yeah. Seattle has their own issues they on the offensive line years in a row now. And yeah. they've been very successful in one score game. Yeah. And Seattle and they've kind of been like we always have those teams, Brady, where it's like there's a couple of those teams that we just can't get right no matter what we do. And Seattle has kind of been that team for me. 
against the Indianapolis, or, or really, really against anybody. And if you look with Seattle, they have their own offensive line issues too because Dwayne Brown just signed his deal, so he has not done any training camp. He might have done some personal workouts or not, so we'll see how what kind of shape he is at left tackle. But the Seattle Seahawks, they've had offensive line issues for a couple years. Russell Wilson has wanted them to address them. We'll see if they've done so enough to appease their starting quarterback. But, yeah, I think on a teaser, this is probably the way to go. And I think you'll probably see a lot of teaser liability anyway with guys that might have taken Seattle plus three. Mm-hmm. And now they can get the Colts basically plus eight and a half. So that's a lot of points there in that middle. So when you can work middles and use the teasers to your advantage, I think that that's a very good thing. Yeah, no, there's going to be a lot of people that have middle opportunities with this game. Uh, you could easily have Seattle plus three and Indianapolis plus three. Right. And I tell you what, uh, Wes, uh, I'm sure you probably saw it on your screen as well. As soon as we saw that story come out that Carson Wentz was a full participant in practice, we did see the screen light up a little bit. Now, mm-hmm. it settled back in for the most part at two and a half in favor of Seattle, but at BetMGM, it's still down to two. So it looks like there was initial yeah. reaction here to Wentz, who we now believe is going to start game one for sure. Yeah, no question about it. And uh, we'll see if the Colts offense can still be good like it was with Phillip Rivers in the playoffs. First team ever to lose a playoff game despite having 450 plus yards of total offense and zero turnovers were the Indianapolis Colts last year in Buffalo. This is a very difficult game for me to figure out. I have not played this game, but certainly the teaser does look attractive. This is the Lombardi line. Welcome into all of you just now joining us, Brady Cannon and Wes Reynolds with you here at the South Point Hotel Casino and Spa. And it's time to bring in our guest and talk a little more NFL. Nick Eatman joins us. He covers the Dallas Cowboys for DallasCowboys.com. And you can follow him on Twitter at Nick Eatman. Thank you so much for joining us, Nick. I know you're pressed for time today, so let's get right into it. Dak Prescott's health. Uh, We haven't seen him during the preseason. We haven't seen him test the shoulder. We've heard a lot of reports, speculation. Do you expect he will be 100% tomorrow night in Tampa Bay? I think physically, yes, I think he will be 100%. I think his arm uh, looks good. The, the Some of the balls that we've seen in practice, he's, he's you know, he's really letting it rip, and, and I think that that's a good sign. Now, mentally and just from a rust standpoint, there's no way that you can expect that a guy that's just not playing football since October is going to get right back in here, go up against the world champs, and it's just going to be flawless. I mean, now I'm not saying it'll take four quarters to get there, but I think that there is going to be some rust. Um, you know, he would have probably preferred a, a couple of preseason snaps, but that didn't happen. And you have to go risk versus reward there. And I think the Cowboys just decided it wasn't a smart move to do that. So I think I think physically ankle, shoulder, he's fine. He's just going to have to knock some of the rust off. Nick, I'll stick on the offensive side of the ball here because uh, obviously Dak Prescott, that was the headliner being your starting quarterback in terms of an injury. But what we saw last year as well, even when they had to go with Andy Dalton and even when Dak was healthy, the offensive line had some issues last year in terms of obviously staying healthy. And once Dak was out, teams could sack the box and Zeke Elliott and Tony Pollard had arguably the worst stat years of their career. And now with the offensive line, it's like, okay, we're finally going to be healthy now and then it comes out of course Zach Martin gonna miss due to being on the COVID-19 list same with Brandon Knight so a couple questions on this right side of the offensive line one who is going to be your starter at right guard and also two the mate next to him at right tackle is Lyle Collins gonna go I know he's been battling a stinger issue 
is expected to go. Lyle Collins should be able to play. Um, how healthy he's going to be, how how you know how well that net feels. That that's you know to be determined. But um, he's one of the toughest players on the team. I think you know a couple years ago he fought through injury after injury after injury and kept playing. Of course, last year he did miss with a hip surgery. I think he's going to be. Um, I, I I don't want to say good to go. He'll be out there. We'll see uh, how how well he plays, but. You know, Connor McGovern will, will should start at right guard. I know as it stands right now, the Cowboys are you know holding out some hope for Zach Martin, but I don't think that's going to happen. I think Connor McGovern's the guy that's going to to start at right guard. He's had eight starts last year, third round pick from Penn State. Um, just battled some injuries, but they like him. He's a good young prospect. Um, it's just that interior line there with Biotis at center. Connor Williams, Connor McGovern. I mean, they they're going to have to grow up, and they're going to have to grow up against Indomitian Sue and Vita Vea and those guys mm-hmm. right there in the middle uh, for for the Bucks. But you know, it's not ideal. You want Zach Martin out there. He, he's arguably your, your best player, most consistent player. Uh, it's just kind of the way it is. It's the world we're in right now. <laughs> Absolutely, Nick. Uh, defense has certainly been one of the biggest concerns for the Dallas Cowboys the past few seasons, and they addressed it heavily in this particular offseason and in the draft. Have you seen clear improvement there on the defensive side of the ball in your observations going through training camp? And also, how would you rate them coming in to Week One? No, I haven't seen clear improvement. I'm sorry, I'm just not going to go there until we see it. Oh, we didn't see it. Preseason is preseason, and they had some some plays where you know they, they looked good, but you know they didn't give you know they didn't show all of their their guys, and and I'm sure that Dan Quinn's not going to give you everything that what he's got. So I don't think you can say clear improvement. Now what I did see was that Mike Parsons looks like a playmaker that's going to fly around the ball and be all over the place and line up in different spots. That is that's exciting to see. I did see Trayvon Diggs battle with C.D. Lamb every single day and I think he's going to be a much better player I think Randy Gregory has an opportunity to really be finally be the player that everyone wanted him to be so you, you add uh, maybe a healthy Leighton Van Der Esch and D-Law uh, coming back and and, and Jalen Smith and Keon O'Neal yes they have the makings to be a much better defense but we haven't seen it yet and we really need to see it and good luck because only it's only Tom Brady and, and the world champs that, that's going to be your first test so you know we'll, we're going to find out real quick what, what what we've got I think right Nick and that leads me on my next question of course Demarcus Lawrence on the pop list and you mentioned Randy Gregory a guy grew up around me in the state of Indiana so do you think that this pass rush is going to be better? We know that the secondary struggled last year, and a lot of that was part and parcel of the fact that they didn't get to the other team's quarterback enough. So do you expect that they are going to be a little bit up in terms of the sack numbers, in terms of the pressure numbers? What do you expect out of this front four? I do expect that. I think that's been Dan Quinn's MO when he was with the uh, Seattle and, and even with Atlanta. They're going to get to the quarterback. They're going to figure out ways to do it. And I think Micah Parsons has a chance to really be that dynamic, catalytic pass rusher that can go all over the place. Sometimes from the from right up the you know over the center. Sometimes from the outside. Sometimes Randy Gregory might might go back into coverage. It's all about versatile players. I think you'll see Jalen Smith blitz a little bit more. Uh, Dorrance Armstrong was a guy that they they really had a thought had a great training camp. Maybe it's that third rusher. Terrell Basham's a free agent signing that they have. So they're going to bring some some pressure. They're going to get more sacks this year. Now, what does that mean on the back end? Can they get there quick enough to to not expose the uh, the secondary? We'll see. But I, I don't think Dan Quinn is going to have a defense that doesn't get pressure. We did see some signs of that. 
Nick Eatman is our guest. He covers the Dallas Cowboys for DallasCowboys.com, and you can follow him on Twitter at Nick Eatman. Nick, I want to talk about the NFC East, the division as a whole, and I believe it's been about 14 seasons in a row where we've never had a division winner repeat and go back-to-back, and of course that would be the Washington football team this year, last year's division winner, and a lot of people are betting against that because of that historical trend there. I'm not so sure if that's going to continue. The Dallas Cowboys are the favorite to win the division plus 135 here at BetMGM. What do you think? Are the Dallas Cowboys a deserved favorite to win the NFC East? Uh, that's that's a tough one. I mean, because to me, I look at, at these teams as can you do something elite? Can you be great at something? I think the Cowboys can be great on offense, but they just weren't last year because of a lot of injuries and, and you know, at the key positions. Washington, uh, you know, is going to be great on defense. And if that offense is, is just a little bit better, then they have a chance to, to be the favorites. But then, then it flips back to the Cowboys. Or the Cowboys defense with all the things we said, if they're a little bit better. I think it's going to be – I think it's neck and neck. And, they, and obviously they play twice. I think it's going to come down to, to those games. I, I believe that both those teams are going to be sitting in the 9-8, and 10-7 and seven range. And it's going to come down to, to, to those two. So to, to say they're the favorite, maybe, you know, I, you can lean that way. But, I, I mean, if Washington's offense is a, just a little bit better than, than they were – then you know how scary the defense is. That That's going to be a tough matchup for sure. That's one thing. The Cowboys just could not block those guys up front. And, if you know, if, they'll, if they're better, then, then they have a chance to win those games and then maybe win the division. I think it's going to come down to those two games when they play. Nick, we'll get you out of here on this one. I know you've got a plane to catch because you have a yeah, game tomorrow yeah. night here in Tampa, Florida. But in terms of quarterback, obviously Cowboys Nation hoping that this does not repeat itself like it did last year if Dak Prescott goes down early in the season. Looking at the quarterback position, Cooper Rush, Will Greer. I know Mike McCarthy said the right things and really likes Will Greer and whatnot, but everybody's kind of saying, well, have they totally closed the door on Cam Newton down there? We know Jerry and Steven sometimes like the rehabilitation story, so to speak, that maybe Cam could be a guy that would be an emergency guy down there. Do you think Jerry and Steven have closed the door officially on Cam Newton. No, I don't think they closed the door on anybody, honestly. But I, I it, it's not so much the Cowboys' door; it's Cam Newton's door. That's the one mm-hmm. that I think has to be. Uh, you have he has to figure out what he wants to do. And and I think for him sitting tight for a week or two, it, it's somebody's gonna. I hate to say it, but someone will probably lose their quarterback. Somebody will need a veteran quarterback to come in and fill in. And so he's probably smart to just sit and wait for that. If if that happens to the Cowboys at that double knock on wood, if that happens to the Cowboys, then I'm sure that they would be interested there. But, you know, he's he's tweeted enough, said enough that he doesn't look like he is ready to be right. QB2, as you see, number one. He's number one on his jersey for a reason. He's got to get that in his head. If he's not, if he's the backup, then he's got to find a good spot to be the backup. And I don't know if it's, if it's the good spot here. But if any starting position is open where they need a quarterback to come right in, then I think Cam would, would be a good fit, and, and Cowboys included. Knock on wood if you're with me, Nick. Thank you so much for joining <laughs> us. Uh, have a safe trip down to Tampa Bay and enjoy the game. 
No problem. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Nick. All right, that is Nick Eatman. Check him out at DallasCowboys.com and on Twitter at Nick Eatman. And what are your thoughts on the division there, Wes? Uh, We know this is maybe the very weakest division in all of football. You've got the Philadelphia Eagles who are in a rebuild mode. We don't know what to expect out of the New York Giants. They've certainly made some improvements, but is it going to be enough? Will Daniel Jones finally perform up to expectations? And then I agree with Nick. It, It may just well, very well come down to the Cowboys and the Redskins. But I think it's a tough bet to make. Um, I know, I believe you've made a play on the New York Giants to win the division. And I know some other sharp bettors have because I think it's kind of worth a shot. It's a toss-up. And it is because, look, I think the the NFC East or NFC Lease, whatever you want to call it, it might end up being a battle of attrition again here for the second season in a row in 2021. I think when you look at the talent, that's the reason Dallas is the favorite because they're the Cowboys and you look and they've got dudes on that roster. Mm-hmm. Now they don't have dudes at certain positions. That secondary of course has got to step up, but they have talent and they have athletes with that linebacker core that Nick mentioned with Van Der Esch, the rookie Micah Parsons, of course, Jalen Smith. He's look good. Parsons. Yeah, absolutely. Good. I think, you know, maybe too much to ask, to be like the stud that they think he's going to be in the first year, but he eventually is. And I think he's eventually going to fill that role of Sean Lee, who is a longtime leader on that defense now retired. But one of the reasons I do like the giants here, and I think you can make a case for all four teams. I'm not necessarily throwing Philadelphia out with the bathwater. I know Femi was making the case here yesterday for the Philadelphia Eagles. And I'll get to my giants case in a second, but The Washington football team, if people are going against Dallas and kind of fading them, that seems to be the team that they're going with. But one point to make, keep in mind, the Washington football team, what, seven and nine last season in the regular season? By the way, that was good enough to win this division. So what that means is it was good enough to get a first-place schedule. Yes. And them playing a first-place schedule in a, in, a, in, a, in a team that won 13 games is a lot different because you look at the Washington schedule. They do get two at home. So there is a chance for them to get off to a good start. Chargers and Giants back-to-back. Then you got to go to Buffalo. Then you got to go to Atlanta. Then you've got New Orleans coming in, who was a playoff team. Then you've got Kansas City, the AFC champion. Then you got to go to Green Bay. Then you got to go to Denver. This is all before and and right at Halloween. Then you get Tampa Bay coming in, at Carolina, Seattle coming in. You get the five divisional games at the end of the year. And one thing about Washington, too, keep in mind, Ryan Fitzpatrick, and I like Ryan Fitzpatrick. We all love Fitzmagic. This is his 19 and 17 years. And this is a guy that's a 38-year-old quarterback. And all of a sudden think he's the missing piece that's going to put Washington <laughs> to be in an 11 or 12-win team. I'm just not buying that. Now, I went with the New York Giants. They're a team that I, that I do like a little bit here. But like about half the teams in the NFL, Brady, and I'll go back to a point that I always refer to, and this was all the way back in 2017, where former Colts GM, Pro Football Hall of Famer Bill Pullian said, offensive line play right now in NFL is an epidemic. Mm-hmm. Like there's not a lot of great offensive line play because maybe these guys don't get in pads enough. That was certainly his theory or teams on the Saturday game in college football run too many spread offenses and they don't do exactly what you do personnel wise in terms of protections with the NFL. So the Giants are yet another team.
team that has a little bit of issues on the offensive line. Got to try to come together. But I do like what the Giants did. They did give Daniel Jones weapons. You have Kenny Galladay, who comes in from the Detroit Lions. He's going to be your wide receiver one, Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton, Kadarius Toney, who they drafted Florida Gator in the first round. That's a good little group of receivers, I think. And I think Evan Ingram is. is a solid tight end. Kyle Rudolph is also on this team. Obviously, the key then what's going to stir the drink for this offense, though, is Saquon Barkley. Mm-hmm. If he's back, that gives them another, I think, help in terms of not only the running game, the passing game, but also some pass protection as well to help Daniel Jones. This Giants defense is an above-average defense. This is probably at least a borderline top 10 defense in the NFL, and I think that they're going to take the step up from kind of like 15th best to like top 10 best. So the Giants were the team that I do like, but really – you can make a case for any one of these four teams to win the division. This might be the only division in all of the NFL where you can really do that. Yep, I believe that is the case. And if you look at that Washington football team schedule, you talked about how it's so top-heavy and so difficult at the beginning, and then it's all division games at the end. Starting with Week 14, you go Cowboys, Eagles, Cowboys, Eagles, back-to-back right there. Yeah, and then they close out at MetLife Stadium against the Giants because that's what they're trying to do with this 17-game schedule. They're trying to get all these divisional games. Now, it's all division for Washington. You look at, like, the last five for the New York Giants. They only have three of the five. So it's going to be division heavy, really, for everybody. But I just think that there's a little bit more opportunity for for the Giants here. Uh, The schedule, I think, a little bit more manageable in terms of home games. Now, they're getting bet against in week one because everybody loves Denver Broncos, and I Mm -hmm. think they're a playoff team, too. But now I think the market, I think they've gotten a little bit ahead of themselves here because now all of a sudden it's Teddy Bridgewater is going to start. This team's going 12 and five, and I'm not necessarily buying that. So I think Giants a very good teaser play. I was just going to say teaser opportunity. And I may be even interested in taking the three if this under keeps getting bad because I think everybody's out ahead a little bit on Denver here. So the New York Giants are who I'm going to go with. I reserve the right to be wrong because we're all going to probably look stupid at some point on these NFC East predictions because it is so hard to project. I've said for a long time, I think week one is maybe the very most difficult week to handicap in the NFL because we're all trying to go off of what we saw in the preseason, what they did last year. None of that really matters. (laughs) This is a brand new campaign and it all starts on Thursday night in Tampa Bay. We'll talk some more college football on the other side when we return right here on the Lombardi line at Visa, the sports betting network. Welcome back to the Lombardi Line, presented by BetMGM. Brady Cannon and Wes Reynolds with you on a Wednesday, a Christmas Eve before NFL football begins in 2021. And then, of course, this Sunday, a full slate of action. And the first game on the rotation, Wes, it's been there for months. That is the Buffalo Bills hosting the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I think this is a pretty interesting game here. And I've seen opinions going both ways here. You've got the Buffalo Bills favored by six and a half points. 
that's a consensus number pretty much across the board. I do see one seven here locally in Las Vegas, and that might be the point, the seven or the seven and a half, even if it got there, where I would uh, jump in on the Pittsburgh Steelers, and maybe they're even worth a shot at six and a half. But so far, this is not a game I've touched, and my handicap basically on this game is Pittsburgh really ended the season on an awful note last year, and there's a lot of question marks about this team. The offensive line, Big Ben is 39 years old. Is Najee Harris really going to solve all their problems drafting him in the first round at running back? Now, we figure the defense is certainly going to be solid once again. Will it be as good as last year? And then Buffalo... Buffalo really reached a mountaintop last year. Yes. And are they likely to slide back down a little bit? That's a concern of mine, too. Uh, but, you know, that being said, I, I mean, it kind of reminds me of a not, – not entirely, but you look at the 49ers and the Lions. The 49ers might beat the Lions by 14 points. Buffalo might beat Pittsburgh by 14 points, but – I don't know. I, I would probably lean towards the dog here if I had to do anything. And, and I do, too. And by the way, I am very high on the Buffalo Bills. We get to that point where it's like, don't let your season reads in a macro sense kind of cloud the week-to-week deal. Buffalo is who I picked in the betting guide, in our VEASAN Pro Football Betting Guide, to be the AFC representative for this year's Super Bowl. And I still believe that. But... It is now priced into the market. And the one thing that, you know, it's it's almost so weird, Brady, and maybe it's justified, but the Pittsburgh Steelers' win total is at what, like eight and a half, and it's juiced to the under? Yeah, it, it actually, I think it might be eight. Yeah. and it, You can probably find both. And I know that they had some fortunate breaks, but we forget this team started 11-0 and yeah. last year. And I know that they faded down the stretch, losing four of their last five, then losing a home game in the NFL wildcard. So they were probably exposed as not being this good or as that good as starting 11-0. and But it's like this much of a drop-off? Like nobody is talking about this team, I think, in terms of being a contender. Everybody loves the Browns. Everybody, obviously, you know, the Ravens are kind of always the steady Eddie team. They don't have as much ebb and flow or peaks and valleys in terms of their play. But, man, I just look at this, and this is a big number, and, and I really like Buffalo, and I like their coaching staff, especially McDermott and Dable, the offensive coordinator who will be a head coach next season. And I think Allen did show some improvement. So this Buffalo team's going to have a lot of weapons, and they have a lot of talent. But this is a big kind of number here. And I know Pittsburgh actually lost to uh, Buffalo last season. I think uh, that was, yeah, that was their second loss. Because remember, they had to play that midweek game where they got upset by the Washington football team. I think they played a game on December 2nd. And then they had to play a game five days later. And then they had a game six days later at Buffalo. So a little bit of exhaustion maybe there as they lost 26 to 15 in Buffalo. So, yeah, this number's starting to get a little bit big. One thing I did like. I thought Ben looked better in the preseason. Mm-hmm. I know limited action, but he saw more than more action than most veteran quarterbacks. And I thought Ben did look pretty sharp. So maybe he's over that shoulder injury. Obviously, he's near, you know, on the back nine, late in the back nine of his career. But I thought he looked solid. Uh, this kid Fryer moved out of Penn State, their second round draft pick yeah. at tight end. This guy is going to be heard from this year. This guy, I think, is going to have a big rookie season. 
Of course, Chase Claypool back. He had a big rookie season at receiver. Juju Smith-Schuster, if he can stay off the gram and stay off doing the crate challenge <laughs> and all that stuff and actually take this stuff seriously, you know, maybe he can emerge into something. But the offensive line, obviously, a concern of kind of a remade offensive line. They were dead last in the league in rushing last year. Najee Harris comes in. I think he's a more explosive back, certainly, than James Conner. But... Can they go ahead and run the ball? Can this offensive line be good? We know this defense is going to be outstanding. T.J. Watt, obviously, they're still dealing with all that drama. I guess uh, there was a report today that he's expected to be back in camp any minute now. Yeah, he wants to be paid, obviously, like a quarterback. And obviously, Roethlisberger's like, yeah, give him the money because he's almost done with his career. He doesn't have many more chances to get back to the Super Bowl. So, of course, he's saying give him what the hell he wants. But... Yeah, this number is getting a little bit big. I don't know if we see seven. I think if you do, you see immediately immediate buyback on the Pittsburgh Steelers. And if a seven shows, the juice is probably going to get adjusted. So it's like, okay, we'll give you a seven, but you got to pay like a dollar thirty-five for it. Best play in this game. You mentioned that score of last year's game, twenty-five to sixteen, I believe you said. Mm-hmm. I'd probably be looking towards the under here in this contest. The over has as well. moved five and a half points too, so I would blindly probably look to bait that move. All right, that is going to do it for the NFL talk. We will come back with some college now, and then we wrap up the program with some baseball right here on the Lombardi Line. the perfect time for you to huddle up with the VEASAN Pro Football Betting Guide. The guide is only $19.99 and it's available right now, just in time for football to start. On Thursday, our experts provide profiles of every team with advanced stats and power ratings, plus best bets on season win totals, division finishes, and player awards. Sign up for the VEASAN All Access subscription and get everything we offer for the entire football season. It's all available now at VEASAN.com slash subscribe. Brady Cannon and Wes Reynolds with you shifting over to college football and we want to go out west to a renewal that we see every now and then the holy war the Utes of utah taking on the byu uh, byu cougars this one will go down on saturday in provo byu won but they did not get the cover right here at allegiant stadium last saturday in las vegas they beat the arizona wildcats and the utah utes they actually have some extra rest here west because they played last thursday mm-hmm. and started out a little sluggish, but eventually rolled over Weber State. Uh, Utah is laying the points here. They're favored by seven on the road with a total of 49. Good to have the Holy War back, by the way. This game was not played last year, so BYU didn't add to that losing streak in this series. They have lost the last nine in the Holy War. Last time BYU won was in Provo back in 2009, so Cal Whittingham and his bunch have really dominated this series, and and I do kind of like them in the spot again to win another beehive boot, that being <laughs> the trophy. I always That's one of the things I love about college football. Nobody else seems to care about it, but I love all the trophy games and the rivalry games. I, I love the that, names of them. I think that means something. The brown you know? jug. Exactly. And- <laughs> the old oaken bucket, the beehive boot here in the state of Utah in the beehive state. So uh, if you look, Utah, they were a little bit sluggish to start out, but Weber State, by the way, was a playoff team in the FCS. They went undefeated in a very short and regular season. So that was not your usual, okay, schedule a guarantee game and whip up on the competition. Weber State, actually a competitive team, and obviously – 
kind of like we saw with Northern Iowa at Iowa State. Mm-hmm. An in-state school, you probably got a lot of kids from that Weber State Club that wanted to play at Utah or wanted to play at a BYU, but but they go to Weber State. So Utah eventually got the win 40-17. to 17. I thought they played well. Charlie Brewer had one interception, but Charlie Brewer is now in at quarterback from Baylor. I think he is an upgrade over the kid they had from South Carolina last year, Jake Bentley, so I think they're going to get better quarterback play. We always know that Utah can run the ball, and there's nobody more physical than Utah, I think, on both sides of the ball. It's almost like we were talking about Iowa earlier, mm-hmm. how good they always are in the trenches, especially on the offensive line, but also the defensive line. Utah is kind of like Iowa West. Like, you know, I kind of look at them that way, and they take the identity of their coach. Like, if we were drafting college football head coaches that we're going to pick, like, on a team to have in a fist fight, Cal Whittingham would probably (laughs) be one of the top guys. And I think the team responds to that because they are very tough and they are very aggressive. BYU, look at uh, they were very good against the run, too. I think they were 10th in rushing defense, allowed just 57 rushing yards last week. So they're going to make this young kid, Jaron Hall, for BYU really try to beat them. And BYU, I thought, got off to a good start. They, of course, played right here in Las Vegas. Yeah, you know, and that's what I was thinking. They they really looked like they were going to dominate Arizona, mm-hmm. but they let the Wildcats yeah. back in that game. Yeah. I actually bet on Arizona, and I got an awful number. I got 11, and it went up to 14 or 14 and a half, but uh, BYU just really couldn't step on right. the neck of the Wildcats. They ended up winning that game by eight. Um, so I'm kind of with you. I, I think uh, Utah may be the right side here once again in the Holy yeah, War. Yeah, I was fortunate. I was on the under for that BYU-Arizona game, but you're absolutely right. They could couldn't put them away. And you look, Arizona actually out-yarded BYU mm-hmm. in that game, 426 to 368. Gunner Cruz had well over 300 yards through the air. So you got to think maybe Charlie Brewer can do the same. So, yeah, BYU, look, they lose a lot. When you lose the number two pick in yeah. the NFL draft at quarterback, you were going to take a natural drop-off, and a lot of his weapons are also gone. And you saw that really in the first week across college football. You lose your starting receivers like North Carolina. Perfect example against Virginia Tech last Friday night. It's kind of like the all Sam Howell show. It's like, yeah, but a lot of his receivers are gone and his top two running backs are gone. So I think BYU is going to be a good team, but now it's kind of like a step up in competition because remember they had to scramble as an independent to schedule all these teams. So you saw a lot of Troy, you saw a lot of UTSA, a lot of kind of, you know, Sunbelt and Conference USA teams. So the schedule was pretty easy. So now BYU is having to step up and this is a big step up. I know seven on the road in a rivalry game is a lot, but I'd rather be laying it rather than taking it. Well, you mentioned the Roadrunners of UTSA. They beat the Illinois Fighting Illini last week, and that was certainly a natural letdown spot that we could see coming for Illinois. They beat Nebraska uh, at home as a home dog to open the season. Then they bounce back with a loss to UTSA. They will take on the Virginia Cavaliers this weekend, and Virginia a double-digit favorite here. Virginia comes off of a blowout win over William and Mary. And I'm curious, Wes, how do you handicap the situation now at this point for Illinois? Well, you got to see who's going to play quarterback. Is Brandon Peters going to be back? And I think when he comes back, he is obviously the starter, a fifth-year senior. But 
Artie Sikowski really wasn't that bad last week. Uh, he, of course, is the uh, transfer from Rutgers who took over in the Nebraska game and looked solid. Didn't really dazzle you, but was effective. Not pretty, but effective. Last week, he kind of had struggle in terms of completing passes, but he didn't turn the ball over. So he is going to be going once again. It looks like, at least as of right now, we don't know if Peters is going to be back. But the market has certainly sided with the Illini here because this was 13, I think, at Circus Sports, which is now now opening first on Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon for college football. And then this got bet down to 10 and that's currently where it is. So, you know, Artie Sitkowski, Illinois, by the way, was not only just banged up a quarterback, they had a couple running backs out. So that was a kind of a, a tricky spot for them. And UTSA, of course, wins and UTSA, the Sharps kind of backed them sure. last week. So I would lean a little bit to the Illinois side here, even though I think you've lost a little bit of value. I believe Chase Brown and Chase Hayden are going to be back in the in the backfield. Virginia, you know, we'll see We'll see what they can do. They blew out William & Mary, but they struggled. Uh, they didn't score in the first quarter. I think their first four drives, they only had three points. So, you know, I lean a little bit to Illinois. I think the, the money's kind of out of it, though. I would have rather taken 13 than 10, but I certainly don't disagree with the market. Let me squeeze one more in here, and I think this is going to be a wild one to watch. North Carolina State at Mississippi State. North Carolina State blew out South Florida, and Mississippi State, in a wild one, hangs on over Louisiana Tech 35-34. What do you make of this one? Yeah, NC State, I think, is a very good team this year, and I know that, it, you know, South Florida aside, not the most quality competition, but NC State is one of those teams in the ACC, even though that was a bad week last weekend for that conference, that I think is going to be good. Now, Mississippi State, you would expect them to come out a little bit better because they had to come back from way behind against Louisiana Tech. They were down three touchdowns and escaped down there in Starkville by their chinny-chin-chin, so to speak. So, NC State is a small favorite. I don't disagree with it, but no play as of yet for me. All right, we will get to the Diamonds. We've got games coming up in Major League Baseball here pretty quick at the top of the hour the uh, Giants will be in action at 12 noon Pacific time we'll cover a few games before we get out of here and pass the baton to the guys at the nuts down at Circa we'll be right back With BetMGM, place a money line wager on any Thursday night football game, and if your team is up by 10 points or more at halftime, you win. That's a full payout for only half the game, no matter what happens the rest of the way. Simply go to your BetMGM account and opt in each week to get the Thursday night halftime payout promotion. If you want to keep things rolling, try BetMGM's extensive live betting options in the third quarter, or use your winnings to make a one-game parlay on Sunday. New to BetMGM? Download the app and see how you can turn halftime into cash time. Make a money line bet on Thursday night, and if your team is up by 10 or more, you win at the half. It's only at BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks. Opt-in required. Eligibility restrictions apply. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older. Please gamble responsibly. If you have a problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. The promotional offer is not available in Nevada. All right, we wrap up the program, West with some baseball. We have got less than 25 games left in the regular season, and I'm really starting to love these pennant races. We have baseball coming up. 
uh, in just a few minutes from now, 11.10 a.m. Pacific, 2.10 p.m. Eastern, down in Houston, the Seattle Mariners at the Astros. Tyler Anderson taking on Jose Urquidy. Houston wins in extra innings on Tuesday night. They'll be looking to complete the sweep over the Mariners, who have moved ahead of Oakland into second place in the American League West, and they are just three games back in the wild card race. Obviously, every game very crucial for Seattle right now with just 23 games left on their schedule, and they're a big dog today down in the Lone Star State. Yeah, and what you're seeing here, this is an early game here between Seattle and Houston. This is one of those getaway under games early in the day, and you're seeing it getting bet from nine now to eight and a half. And uh, look, Houston's comfortable, six and a half game lead in the ALS, but it's amazing that Seattle, I think they might be the most amazing story in all of Major League Baseball because they have such a negative run differential. And yet now they're ahead of the Oakland A's. Who would have thought of that? They'd be ahead of them in the West here. But uh, Astros have taken the two for first two games of this series, had that walk off last night. Seattle, that kind of hurt my feelings. Seattle, 4 2 bottom of the knife. Alex Bregman ties it up and then that goes to extra and then they get that walk-off home run. Tyler Anderson going to go for the Mariners here. They got him in that deadline deal from Pittsburgh Mm -hmm. in late July and look, once you leave the Pittsburgh Pirates and you get that kind of stench of the Jolly Roger off of you, you tend to perform (laughs) a little better at least this season for the Pirates because he was 435 on the ERA in Pittsburgh and he's 338 and 7 starts since joining the Mariners. Not a guy that's going to blow you away, but He's a pretty good, consistent back-end starter. He's gone at least five innings every single start this season and 27 straight starts, which is a very rare feat. Like, Anderson's not an elite pitcher, but he's good kind of in the back end. But, you know, Seattle has been a little bit underwhelming at the plate lately, so that's why I think you see the Astros being kind of a big favorite. You're quitty to his credit. Teams are going just 217 at the plate against your quitty this year. So Seattle's a team that struggles at the plate. So that begs the question why you uh, have this big favorite. By the way, this is the second start from your quitty. He was on the IL. He allowed two runs and four and a third against the Padres last week. Guy that pounds the zone, doesn't give up a lot of walks. That's about top 5% of the league in terms of the walks here. But I do think that the market is giving us a little bit of a tell. I think that this was a little bit of a big price here on Seattle to try to avoid the sweep. If you want to kind of look at the Astros, who do so many things very well, the hitting's kind of been middle of the pack over the last couple of weeks in terms of that weighted on base average. Your quitty didn't make it to the fifth inning in his last start. So it's like, you know, this is a pitcher maybe you can pick on here. This isn't a McCullers or Granky or one of their higher end guys. So, I would lean to the Mariners here. The market's certainly betting it accordingly. This was, I think, 175 in the overnight. Now you're seeing as low as 150 at BetMGM. I think 160 is kind of the max in the market here. But I lean to Seattle here in this early one. Yeah, the Astros minus 210 favorites on the overnight. Now currently minus 180 at BetMGM. I did land on the under eight and a half runs here. 1210 Pacific, 310 Eastern. The San Francisco Giants will be in Colorado trying to pull off a sweep on the road at Coors Field. This will be Anthony DeScalfani taking on John Gray. Giants hanging on to a one-game lead still over the Los Angeles Dodgers in the National League West, and they are looking for the sweep as favorites at minus 145 West, and of course, your Coors Field total at 11.5. Yeah, and I played the Rockies a couple days ago against the Giants off the Giants getting that win over the Dodgers against Walker Bueller, where they had a bullpen game. Dominic Leone on Sunday Night Baseball 
went. And then I went ahead and faded Gaussman the next day, and it was not good for me. It was a bad result. But you're seeing the Rockies get the money here, and I don't necessarily disagree with it. At plus 130, I think John Gray is worth it. This Rockies team, even though they've lost the first two here, still good at home. And we know now these teams in the playoff chase, like the Giants, of course, well in the playoff chase, now are going to get priced to the moon mm-hmm. on the market. So now we're getting into like the second week of September where most of the betting market is very much focused on NFL, obviously, and college football. The guys that are the, like the baseball specialists, they'll bet it all year. Mm-hmm. The, you know, the wise guys that do bet baseball. So I look at this move and I agree with the move. And I don't think that this is necessarily a general Joe public move for a day game on a Wednesday afternoon. So I actually like the Colorado Rockies here at plus 130 to avoid the sweep at Coors. Well, I kind of prefer John Gray over DeScalfani just on the pitching matchup there. So I I agree, too. You look at San Francisco at minus 150 on the overnight and uh, down to minus 130 in some spots now, the Giants as the money line favorite. Let's talk about the Cincinnati Reds and the Chicago Cubs. Vladimir Gutierrez taking on Alec Mills. And Wes, you know, I was on vacation for a little bit. What happened to the Chicago Cubs? They've won eight out of their last ten. And what has happened to your Cincinnati Reds? They're in that dogfight for the National League wildcard spot with the San Diego Padres. They've lost seven out of their last ten. Mills versus Gutierrez today at Wrigley Field. And the Cincinnati Reds in the role of the favorite here. Are you going to jump on that one? I am not, and then the market has jumped on the other side because the Cubs, I think, were almost a dollar thirty dog, and now as low as like one hundred five in that one ten range. Because you look, Vladimir Gutierrez's peripherals are not that good: four seventeen on the ERA, but five oh nine on the xFIP. This is not a guy that really strikes a lot of guys out. Only about six point nine per nine innings. Also a little bit high on the walks: three and a quarter per nine innings. Alec Mills. You know, kind of a steady Eddie, four and six in terms of uh, in his 15 starts. Also a guy that doesn't strike out a lot, but he keeps his walks down a little bit. 369 on the ERA, 396 on the XFIP. Vladimir Gutierrez has had a little bit of luck this year that Alec Mills really has not. And really, when you look at luck, you look at that metric of batting average balls in play. Vladimir Gutierrez, 271. That's below league average. Alec Mills, 50 points higher at 321. So I think the market is kind of saying, you know, when you got a team with low expectations and they struggled immediately after the deadline in that fire sale on the north side all of a sudden the prices get a little high and all of a sudden the cubs win a couple games and won more than a couple as you mentioned in a row and the market's going to keep riding them here so i can't disagree with the move i do not like the reds because gutierrez i think his numbers have been a little bit phony i'm late to the party though to take the cubs so this is going to be a stay away for me yeah me as well the price is all the way down to minus 114 in favor of the reds in some spots minus 120 in favor of cincinnati here at bet mgm they opened up on the overnight as minus 145 favorites and uh, it, it does make sense you know and and you alluded to it earlier this time of the year you know, a road favorite Cincinnati minus 145. Yeah, it, it just doesn't add up. And you've seen the sharp betters come in. And I think, too, all those things that you mentioned, Brady, all these teams in the wildcard chase, you know, obviously they're going to be huge favorites when yeah, they're playing must Baltimore win situations, and whatnot. Right? But yeah, and these get priced in the market. So when you see like moves against, that makes you think that the dogs are the right side. I don't think the Cubs are the wrong side here, but that's definitely the wrong number. All right, let's talk about the Los Angeles Dodgers and the 
St. Louis Cardinals. This will be Mitch White versus Adam Wainwright. And the price here looks awful short on the Dodgers. It actually opened up as a pick'em game on the overnights. And the Dodgers have seen some money all the way up to minus 125 now with a total of eight and a half here at BetMGM. And, uh, you know, this one's tough for me, Wes, because the Dodgers are such a juggernaut. They're so powerful. And I don't think the Cardinals are a great team, but I don't necessarily want to fade Adam Wainwright either. Well, we keep trying to uh, write the obituary, or maybe I'm the chief culprit of that, to try to write the obituary of the St. Louis Cardinals. Now, they've fallen back a little bit. They're three and a half out of that second wildcard spot where San Diego and Cincinnati are currently tied. They were within two games a couple days ago. But, you know, somehow, some way, the Cardinals are just kind of just hanging around here. They're not doing anything special, but they're doing enough to go ahead and hang around around 500. And one of the reasons, because Adam Wainwright, I think, has been very good and kind of defies his age. Mitch White. He's the Tom Brady of baseball. He is. He is. And he's still very effective. Mitch White's going to go. This is going to be a bullpen start. He's made basically two starts this year. Now he's gone 11 innings. So not quite like an opener where you go one and two thirds, but I don't think Mitch White is going to really go that deep into the game. He generally goes about three or four innings without giving up. Uh, many runs. Now, do they have to extend him today? Because they use nine pitchers in, in a bullpen game on Tuesday. So they may need Mitch White to go into the fifth inning or maybe even slightly beyond. You look at Adam Wayne right now at the age of 40, like you said, the Tom Brady of Major League Baseball, six and a third innings of one run ball against the Brewers, who have been one of the that hottest amazing. teams in baseball. 291 ERA, that's, you know, a run lower than his XFIP and whatnot. So people are thinking regression. But, you know, this is just kind of who Wainwright is at this point. He's just effective and pitches a little bit above his numbers because he knows how to pitch. He's not overpowering. It's kind of like Greg Maddox late in his career where it's like, okay, location, location, location. I don't have the stuff to overpower these hitters, but I can damn sure trick them. And that's what Adam Wainwright basically does. So, you know, the Dodgers offense, obviously very scary here. But what I would probably look to do, and I think the market's kind of gotten wise to this, because if you look at the first five innings, you generally see like a plus a dollar five or about plus even money on the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, you know, depending on how long Mitch White can go, that would probably be direction I'd go here with the Redbirds. Yeah, or maybe play the runs line with St. Louis and take a run and a half. St. Louis still has an opportunity to split this series. Obviously, every game crucial with them three and a half back in the wild card race in the National League. I would trust Adam Wainwright here a little bit. Mm -hmm. Maybe not the full game. Like you say, first five, maybe getting a run and a half. That's probably the direction I would go here with the horse on the hill for St. Louis. Next up, a couple of horses down at circuits. Mike Palm and Amal Shah next up for the Nuts right here at VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. 